Hello, everybody. This is Mark Kastner here with the uh, inaugural episode of Sounder at Heart podcast. I like that name. Very it's a very, name. It's very, it just rolls right off the tongue. Yeah, yeah it's, it, it goes with uh, a certain blog that um, that voice you just heard was Jeremiah O'Shan. You may know him uh, from other places such as Nos Arietes and Sounder at Heart or at Jeremiah O'Shan on Twitter. Um, That's probably my I'm most famous. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're quite the influencer, and you also have that you have that Instagram thing going for you. So, you know, I I I guess I do, but I doubt anyone that's listening to this podcast has actually followed my personal Instagram. Well, considering I don't ever update it. Yeah, but um, anyways, so that's that's enough Instagram <laughs> chat for the first for the first thirty seconds of this podcast. Um, you know. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably also a listener to No Sadietis. Uh, that podcast is not going anywhere. Uh, not stepping on Jeremiah or Aaron's shoes or, or toes or however that expression goes. Uh, but we're just um, we're starting another podcast in uh, hopefully because the, the world needs more Sounders yeah, podcasts, especially from just two white dudes talking about soccer. There are not enough podcasts. Although it should be, this is a good time to introduce. We will have two more shows in this podcast feed. Yes, uh, Mickey Turner, who you may know from uh, our from Sounder Heart as well, uh, is going to have a podcast that's probably going to dig into a little bit more of the legal side, but also. Uh, other things, just kind of wonky behind the scenes stuff. Quite and frankly, more interesting things than probably more. Yeah, I would say more interesting things. And then there's also going to be Coffee and Valkyries, which if you're a fan of the Rain, you may already be a listener of. But they're going to be moving their uh, show onto this feed, and that's uh, that's Ride of the Valkyries. Uh, Jacob Cristobal and Susie Rance are gonna. So we're gonna be kind of one big family here. The yeah. goal, I think, is to have one or two podcasts a week between the, the three shows. And uh, it should be a lot of fun. Maybe more shows in the future. Who knows? Who we'll knows? See. And uh, we'll also note that Jeremiah probably won't be my co-host every every week. I, I hope to rotate through um, contributors from Sound at Heart, kind of depending on um, you know what's what's going on. So, you know, sort of the different angles that uh, this team happens to give us from week to week, and we'll see see how it goes. Um, yeah. Um, so, obviously, kind of diving into the week that was of uh, Seattle Sounders, um, kind of a disappointing, left some points on the table, uh, probably won't talk a whole lot about the Minnesota game, given that you won't be listening to this episode until Friday, um, but the the big news this week was the Sounders made a TAM signing and a DP signing, uh, Jovan Jones, who you're probably very familiar with, and uh, Javier Arriga? Ariaga, I think Ariaga? is how we're going to yeah. pronounce it until we're told otherwise. I am of uh, Eastern European descent, so <laughs> <laughs> so my uh, in England they would probably pronounce it Ariga. Ariga, yeah, there. Well, that's Western Europe, so right. Uh, <laughs> Good <anyways>. point. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Jovan Jones, obviously a uh, left-sided player. I think it's probably the most accurate way to describe yeah. him. He uh, was a left back for the Seattle Sounders until he left. Um, and even towards the end of that season, he was playing left mid. Um, he went to uh, Bundesliga two side uh, Dars Darmstadt. Darmstadt ninety eight, I think is the. I think that's um, the. I think that's pretty straightforward. Your were, Eastern European uh, heritage should have just yeah. like lined that up for you. Well, so you're you're gonna <laughs> learn that I'm not very good with names. That's that's <laughs> a thing that's gonna happen on this podcast a lot. A <laughs> uh, he played he played a uh, strictly left midfield for them. Didn't even. Didn't even make a substitute appearance or anything at left back for them. Um, 
And Ariega is a uh, 24-year-old Ecuadorian center back. He's made one cap from the national team. He's come from uh, one of the Barcelona teams that didn't get knocked out of the Champions League this week. Uh, arguably a more successful Barcelona team. They have won more league titles than the one in Spain. Is that true? I think so. Oh, um, well, I didn't know that. That's I was, try, you know, trying to think of some jokes clever. this week. That was funny. Because of, Good job. of what, what's happened. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So reinforcements in the attack slash could be reinforcements at left back, although I'm sure we'll get into it. I have some thoughts about that. And, uh, you know, kind of an heir apparent to the center back position when slash if uh, Chad Marshall um, relinquishes the starting spot there. I would I assume that's a when, if only because he, that's inevitable at some point. Yeah, certainly. Like, <laughs> it, it might not be for, like, this year, and it, it might not even be next year, but... One imagines that his time will eventually, you know. Yeah, he is 34. He's 34, I mean, and human. Yeah, and um, I think it's, I think fans have pointed out this year that he looks different than he has before. Um, yeah. In terms of just straight up being available. He, he probably missed, I would say, more games this you know, this early in the season than he maybe ever has for the Sounders. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I haven't looked that up, but he's been yeah. pretty durable uh, during his time with the Sounders. He's him, funny little note: uh, him and and Stefan Fry are the only two players who predate Garth Lagerwey's, uh tenure with the Sounders, and they came in in the same window. In same window in 2014, oh, yeah. um, so they only predate him by about a year. But he's been pretty durable, and he has not been that durable as durable uh, in this early part of the season. I think. Frankly, the days of us seeing him start every game are just like are beyond it. Like it's yeah. just not going to happen. And I don't think the Sounders have any illusions about him regaining that level of fitness that he can be reliable. Like, whether or not he makes like there might be a week where he starts three times in a week, but they can't rely on him to do that anymore. I don't think they they and I think that's fine. I mean, Roman Torres as it is, as about as good of a third center back as you're going to find. Now that you have Ariaga. Roman Torres is potentially your fourth center back. That's a pretty strong position to be in. And then even Jonathan Campbell being your fifth center back. Yeah. I mean, Jonathan Campbell, I think he has struggled a little bit at Tacoma Defiance. Sure, certainly. But he had a good game this last week. I think that he's a capable. He's probably a capable MLS backup. I think a lot of, on a lot of teams he would be the third center back. I, I, don't, I don't think he's a starter in this league right now, but he's a capable player. He's a good guy to have on the roster. And, yeah, that position suddenly looks very deep and very strong. And, you know, one of the things that Lagerway pointed out was that this was the Sounders' oldest positional group. It was the only group where their two primary starters were on the – Kim won't actually turn 30 until this summer, but every, like all three of those guys are essentially 30 or older. Or older, yeah. And, and even – And Campbell's, uh, like, in his mid-20s. Yeah, and, and Kim – uh, has played a lot of games, even for right. just being 29. So, um, one, you know, one I think one interesting um, point is Ariega is 24, but he has over 130 caps for club teams. Under and he belt. was and he was a captain at at yeah. uh, Barcelona SC, which is n not which is not nothing. I mean, this is yeah. a to be you know that's one of the two or three biggest clubs in Ecuador. They are traditionally one of the powerhouses in that league, and like you said, they have a ton of titles. And for him to be the club captain at a relatively young age, I think speaks to what kind of player this is. Yeah. Um, 
so just kind of uh, yes or no answer, do you think Ariega becomes the starting a starting center back by the end of the year, or do you think this is more? You know, that's a. I think that's a good question. Uh, it's hard for me to say unequivocally yes, only because I kind of still think that Chad Marshall is going to be the starter, all things being yeah. equal. Like, if he's available and he is fit and the Sounders are in a must-win game, Chad Marshall feels like he's still the best center back on the team. Kim Kehe then... Now, so the question is: Is he better than Kim Kihi? And I don't, I don't know. I, I, he might be, but without seeing him play extensively in person and having Kim sure. seen Kim play a lot, I still am inclined to say that he's a better option today than Kihi. But this is the thing: How many times for the rest of the year are the Sounders going to have that as a real choice? Yeah. Where. Everyone's perfectly rested. Everyone's equally available. Who's our starting eleven? And in some ways, I feel like like this is a question that I think it comes up a lot. We I've talked about it many times, but what it, like ideal eleven is like kind of a fantastical yeah. concept. Even in, like for even other leagues in the world, um, or even other teams in MLS. Like you look at uh, LAFC, for instance, who's I mean, quite frankly, lighting the world on fire and almost playing a different game. They don't necessarily have a starting striker. It's Diamande right. or Christian Ramirez, right. who are both very good. Right. Um, Latif Blessing is a very good player. He's not going to start every game for them. So uh, I think this is kind of the the new MLS, if you will, is, yeah. is having a deep squad and um, bringing in players to be able to push your, your veterans. I will say one thing that I think is interesting. Granted, I obviously haven't watched a ton of Ecuadorian soccer, but I have seen clips of, of how how he plays, and um, I'm really excited about the prospect of him and Kim Kihi playing together. Yeah. Um, he is, uh, I think it's fair to say, he's a ball-winning center back. He, uh, he goes and gets it rather than letting it come to him, which... That's Chad Marshall's bread and butter. We're very good at it, obviously. Um, but I think if if we do see Ariega and Kim on the pitch at the same time, I think you'll be able to see the Sounders play a lot higher line. And um, he might be a better passer than Chad Marshall already. And if not, he can certainly get better. Um, I, I will say one of the things that's – you know, you don't judge a center back by how he looks going forward, right? Sure. But – his highlight clips have a handful of goals. All the goals are like really impressive, like yeah. dribbling through uh, players, kind of go like, where is he? Like to the point where you're like, why is he that far up the pitch with the ball at his feet? But wow, that's impressive. And so it looks to me that he's got very good feet. He's like you said, he's a player who is much more likely to follow a, a striker into the midfield mm -hmm. and try to win the ball there res rather than yeah. falling back and, and kind of being a safety valve. And and you're right. I think it it like the prospect of him and Kim starting next to each other. Suddenly, the Sounders have a very athletic center back pairing. With they're not huge guys, but yeah. I don't think they're going to be overpowered. They're both over six one. So. Yeah, they're not going to. I don't see, see them being run over by anyone. Yeah, um, and they both their recovery speed is both very excellent. You know, we've seen we've seen Kim Kihi um, do that, notably against Vancouver on that weird um, end of. 
end of the game VAR thing, but you know he's also done it um, against Houston in the playoffs last year. Not last year, two years ago. Anyways, last well, yeah, yeah, last, last it had to be last year. Um, yeah, so I think I think the signing really, at least the the takeaway I have is it's an intent in how they want their backline to play at yeah. some point, at least. Yeah, I mean, Whether it's gonna aspirate. I think it's kind of like an aspirate. It's it speaks to their aspirations of what they want their defense to look like. I also think it it creates a very like a much more plausible scenario where the Sounders could just choose to be a three back team, yeah. maybe not as their primary formation, but not as just a wow, we sure are shorthanded. What if we play five at the back? But this could be like a true three back system with two wingers. Yeah. As opposed to what they tr- traditionally done when they've done that, which is more like a five man yeah, back. Definitely, line. It's definitely more of a straight line back there. Right. Instead of a- and, and this creates a, a possibility of, especially if you have Gustav Svensson, who we assume is maybe out for a few more weeks, but who knows what's going on there. Like maybe he's out for months, I suppose is possible. Yeah. But if you, if your cho- choice is essentially between playing Jordi Dellum as a second defensive midfielder or playing Javier Arriaga as a third center back, that suddenly becomes a much more enticing thing, especially yeah. if you talk about having, you know, Brad Smith and, Kelvin Leardom on the wings, or hell, Joven Jones and Kelvin Leardom, or I suppose it's even possible you could go with a Joven Jones, Brad Smith, uh, in, like an invert. Like if you're playing three in the back, maybe you yeah. could go with an inverted winger. I don't know. I've not seen that a ton, but yeah, like, like it's certainly possible. It uh, creates all <laughs> kinds of possibilities. In yeah, and like especially in, I think, in scenarios in game, like you could see. Maybe something switched to that. Like, yeah, like if you're chasing a goal but, or something like that. Um, I mean, I'm not personally a fan of the whole inverted um, fullback thing that is happening um, with certain teams in the world and certain national teams that may or may represent the country that we both live in. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> um, So, you know, I think that's a pretty good, like... One more thing to, to note on Ariega is he is a DP center back, but that shouldn't affect kind any, of a name only. Yeah, like uh, you know, certain Sounders fans don't don't like how accounting mechanisms get talked about, <laughs> but um, that's quite frankly what it is. And um, he, he's a DP now. If they want to go sign. Uh, Luis Suarez or a DP center back or you know DP defensive midfielder yeah. or whatever in the summer, it that that they, possibility is still there. Well, and I think that it was kind of an interesting thing that they talked about or that Garth talked about at when he talked to the press on Wednesday, which was this is a wh- the way they structured these two deals was designed explicitly so that they had the flexibility to go sign a DP in the summer. Does that are they going to sign a DP in the summer? Time will tell. Like, I think they'll probably try. I think they're like, going to try. Though. I mean, he gave every indication that they're going to try to sign. Like, they did not, like, oh, well, you know, we're really happy with the way things are. It was like, look, if we can go out and get a DP that, we're gonna, yeah. that we think fits, that we think is a long-term fit, that's what we're going to go do. And my assumption is that it's going to be someone along, like, if they do that, it's going to be someone like a, like, their aspiration, I think, is to have three guys that are like Rui Diaz and Ladero. Like, mm-hmm. three guys who are, like, a significant fee. They don't make crazy money, but they're probably in the 2 to $3 million salary yeah. range. 
and that they are absolutely cornerstones of your franchise. Top top five in the league in the position. Type. Right. Exactly. And and we've never seen the Sounders have never had that. They they've never for all the DPS they've signed, mm-hmm. they've never at the same time had three guys that you would say, oh, this is the. Like you, I guess you could maybe argue that for a time Ozzy was high enough. It was yeah. the peak of his game, and they had Oba and Clint. And you could maybe argue like, well, Ozzy maybe wasn't making that much money, but still he was in the range of being able to be bought down. So there was always the possibility of bringing in another player. Right. And so it's kind of exciting to think that they could get to a point where they have three DPs that are all in their athletic prime, that are all kind of at the peak of their their powers, for lack of a better term. And that's what they're talking about trying to do now what position will that person play that's a little remains to be seen maybe a different episode maybe a different episode (laughs) but um as of right now what we know is that this is seemingly a very very deep team i don't even know how you would go like if this is a fully fit team i don't even know who sits out of the 18 like i I think we could all come up with a starting lineup it probably looks a lot like it did the first five games of the season Mm mm-hmm but who's getting dropped off? Like you're talking about dropping good MLS players yeah. off off yeah, the like roster. There's there's a there's a potential that Harry Ship couldn't make if everybody's healthy, depending on the lineup and you know what what the technical staff wants to do. You could make an 18 and very easily leave a player like Harry Ship out of there, or a handwall Buana yeah, who. Or Henry Wingo or a Henry Wingo. I mean, Henry Wingo is going to have a real. I think Henry Wingo is going to have a hard time getting into the line. Although, who knows? Maybe he, as a backup, maybe he makes more sense than Saad Abdul Salam in terms of like bringing players off the bench. But still, like I, like Jonathan Campbell, I don't know how he. You know, when this team is full all together, I don't know how he makes the bench. Frankly, Alex Roldan, it's going to be tough. There's going to be weeks where Jordy Dellum might not make sure. Like, there's suddenly a lot of competition, and not to say that these are all great MLS players, but they are all very good MLS players by any reasonable metric Yeah, when you're talking about coming off the bench. And that kind of transitions, uh, I think, you know, should have a, at least a couple minutes conversation about specifically Jovan Jones. Yeah. Um, and I want to ask you the question, you know, Sounders fans are very familiar with him um, on, the two, on the team that won MLS Cup and then on the team that got to MLS Cup and lost. Uh, in 2016 and 2017. Um, so we, you know, obviously don't have to c- have a long conversation introducing what type of player he is. But I, I kind of have an interesting question that I want to I frame to you, and that's um, do you think he's going to play left back for the Seattle Sounders? You know, I, I think my gut tells me that his first handful of appearances at least are going to be in the midfield and that we probably won't see him – at left back until the left back situation is sorted for lack of a better term. Like I think there's a world where him, Smith, and Nuhu are all on the roster. They're all playing roles on the team. I think in some ways Nuhu and Jones or Nuhu and Smith are more logical pairing more like partners because they complement each other in ways that I don't think Jones and Smith necessarily do but I don't I think the Sounders see Smith as a real asset yeah they see him as a player they would like to keep around and so I don't think that they're I think they do want to extend his loan if they can and then if that happens you know maybe they end up loaning Nuho out or maybe some team in Europe decides to buy him but I 
I don't think that's a given, and I don't think they're going to just do that because they feel like they have too many good players. Yeah. Uh, that said, will Jones play left back Is was the question. I realize I totally didn't answer that. I, I think, I guess the short answer is that I think the way the team is now, I don't think he's going to play left back. I agree. I uh, so it's the same basically. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think don't think he, he plays very I mean, much. Just because, here. like, theoretically, he he might be a better left back than Smith. I think it's it would be tough to ask him to just start playing left back. He hasn't played left back for two years. Yeah, and even like we extensively think of Jovan Jones as a left back when he played for the Seattle Sounders, but it, like his last appearance at left back was essentially the summer of 2017 because that's when they started, you know, wanting to do the new. I mean, he played, he played. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he did play left back in MLS cup final. He didn't look very good. And that like at the time was uh, kind of a, I wouldn't say shocking move, but it, it It was a surprising, I think it was surprising in that they had been winning with him as a left mid and and knew who at left back. And then for the final, they moved him with the idea that they were going to get as much talent on the field as possible. And it's it, frankly it backfired spectacularly. Like it, it was not good. It was not good. You know, uh, Rodriguez didn't play well. Jones didn't play well. No one, frankly, in that game yeah. other than Stephen Fry looked good. And and anyway, that's like so. That's the one game that he's played at left back in like the last two and a half years. Yeah, and so. And, you know, he he moved to Europe to, uh, you know, better his career. I know there's there was that whole uh, story that broke uh, to, uh, somebody from The Athletic last year or something uh, with the wanting to give Jovan Jones a TAM deal before yeah. he left. Um, it, anyways, he was always a type of player that, you know, wanted to go to Europe, and he went to Europe to play midfield. So I think that's probably his position now. Um, he plays midfield for the national team. Yeah, well, he plays like a number 10, basically. Yeah, I mean, he's not – he's he he was playing – the only place he's ever played left back extensively is in MLS. I think he's a solid defender. But, like, Smith, I don't think, is a goal scorer in any stretch of the imagination. So I think it's always hard to move him up a line. Yeah. Because he's just not goal dangerous. He's a great passer. I think he's great movement. He's not a goal scorer. Jovan Jones actually kind of is like he, he he's not scored piles and piles of goals, but he knows what to do when he's in front of goal. And yeah. I think he is someone who, you know, if he started 34 games in MLS at left mid, I suspect he would be a 10 goal scorer. Yeah. And pro- you know, he'd probably be double digits in goals and assists. I mean, he might, he's, I mean, he's a, he's a very, very good player. I think to me, the more likely possibility than him being a left back, all things, you know, assuming full health, is that he ends up being the starting left midfielder. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he, I could see a world where he beats out Victor Rodriguez or Jordan Morris, and he's starting every game at left yeah. mid. And I think, um, you know, a, a trend that I've noticed in the last couple of games, at least for the Sounders, albeit they certainly haven't been at full strength, uh, is their – their plan A in attack to do to go up that left side has been um, effectively stymied by by other teams. Now, do I think that this signing was signed 
particularly off the back of those few games. Of course I don't. But I think with Jovan Jones on the field, whether it's on the left side, maybe he plays um, – he also never played on the right side for uh, when he was in Europe. So don't necessarily think that's going to happen. But his technical ability on the ball I think provides – an easier transition into plan B in attack than than the Sounders have had, especially if you're not playing uh, Gustav Svensson, who is kind of that release valve to switch the ball to the right side of the field. I think Joven Jones, he can beat a man on the dribble, um, I think, better than Victor Rodriguez can. I think Victor Rodriguez is a better passer, a better technical player, maybe a better um, squad fit at this point. But what it – gives this attack is options that it previously didn't have. Um, and that's even without playing him at left back, which was a conversation we just had. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in some ways he's kind of a hybrid between a Jordan Morris and a Victor Rodriguez. He's not as he's not as fast as Jordan, but he's probably more technical. He's not as technical as Victor Rodriguez, but he's definitely faster than yeah. Victor Rodriguez. And, you know, just to be able to – like, it's just another bullet – in the arsenal, right? It's or I don't know the, the mixed analogy. There. Chamber, I think. Cha- there you go, another bullet in the chamber. <laughs> uh, but he, you know, it just gives the Sounders another possible look, and you know he could be deployed, like we said, in a three-back formation. He could be uh, theoretically deployed on the right, like you said. He doesn't have a lot of experience there, but I, I mean, I think there's a lot of intriguing possibilities, and yeah, I think like so, looking at the game against Minnesota, if we if the Sounders had the option to um, sub, sub Jobin Jones on in the 60th minute when they put Will Bruin in, uh, 30 minutes of Jobin Jones running at a tired defense, you probably create at least one, one goal-scoring opportunity there, better than the Sounders. I mean, they did score hit two bowls off the post in that. Yes, but, but I'm, yeah. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, I mean, I like it. Just gives them another. It gives them another look. Um, I and I and I think that you know, Schmetzer talked about it makes his job harder, and I think that's a he's being serious. Like he's not just <laughs> like I. I do think that that's something that he has to worry about. Like, how do I find minutes for Will Bruin when as it is now? You know, he didn't play him at all the first what three or four games, mm-hmm. and and now I have two more guys I need to find minutes for. And so like there's or Nuhu or ship or whoever, like it's finding minutes is going to be a challenge. Like it's, yeah. but that's a good problem. Like that's not a problem that as a GM you worry about. Like you yeah, like, that's, that's a problem you want to give your coach. Right. Exactly. Instead Every, of, right. Instead of like, Hey, uh, how do we put out 11? Can we get a full bench this week? Or, you know, having to start a center back that you inject full painkillers right before kickoff. Like yeah. that's not a problem coaches want to have no i think no, but no i agree yeah. um not to delve into other teams too much but yeah um i think that is a pretty good synopsis of, of the two signings we should note that um both of them will probably be in seattle in the next couple of weeks but um also right around that time is when national team uh national teams are calling players into camp before their summer tournaments it's unseen whether Ariega is going to uh, make the Ecuador team for the uh, Copa America. Um, but we know that Joven will yeah, almost certainly Yeah, Joven be will certainly be with Trinidad and in the Gold uh, Cup. For, for the Gold Cup. So, um, yeah, know. I was looking at the schedule, and 
I to me the most the most optimistic time the sounder that they're gonna get these players is May twenty sixth against Sporting Kansas City. They might get up two three games before the break for the summer break that MLS is taking, and depending on how those two teams do, and it's not completely out of the realm of possibility that they both advance out of the group stage. The centers might not really have everyone ready, and my suspicion is that even if they were knocked out of the group stage, they'd probably be given some time off to kind of get their affairs in order. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to move to a different continent. Yeah, and <laughs> and so my suspicion is that we're not really going to see this team. We aren't really going to know what the roster looks like from a practical perspective until like that July fourteenth game against Atlanta, which by then we could <laughs> maybe have another name in the mix to right i mean then that's <laughs> by that time the transfer window is open again and so it was kind of you know it was kind of funny garth was talking saying like he acknowledged that yeah in some ways we are just getting players from the summer transfer window a little early but i don't know how off how many games are going to get yeah. before bef- you know like how many extra games we get out of this and i think that's part of the beauty of the signings is that they don't need like unlike Raul Rui Diaz who they needed to hit the ground running unlike Nico and he did, Le- and, he did. <laughs> and unlike Nico Ladero who they absolutely needed to hit the ground running they don't need that from these guys like they could play theoretically a combined zero minutes between now and July 14th and I think the Sounders would probably be okay with that yeah certainly um speaking of of games, well, there is there is a game happening this weekend that will certainly not feature either of the players that we just spent the bulk of the show talking about. So <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, transition quickly to to talking about the Sounders versus Houston Dynamo. Um, the Dynamo, I think, are having a very good season. They're six one and one. Um, they've scored in every match. They've never been shut out. Uh, but on the flip side, um, their only loss has come on the road. Um, their only other road game up until now is against, against the Colorado Rapids, who just fired their coach. <laughs> um, Which is the thing in MLS. Yeah, this past week, three yes. coaches were fired. Um, not unexpectedly in either either case. I guess. Me, I don't know, unexpected, was, un, not undeservedly, sure. I think is yeah. maybe the right way I guess way anytime you either, one, call out, call out your fans for not wanting to jump your players in the parking lot, or two, <laughs> just throwing your players under the bus. Uh, just... Not a whole lot of weird man happening. management yeah. going on there. But anyways, um, so Houston Dynamo come come to Seattle uh, this Saturday evening. Um, they've never won in Seattle, believe it or not. Um, I don't know. I, if, I believe it. Yeah, uh, they are actually a terrible road team over the past two years, despite having a very exciting exciting uh, game. The Sounders, uh, the injury crisis seems to be in the rearview mirror. Whether Rui Dad, uh, Raul Rui Daz or Will Bruin starts uh, it's yet to yet to be seen, but uh, it's certainly more I, likely that yeah. I, I, my guess is that we're going to see the starting lineup of early this year minus Spenson. Yeah, that would be my strong. Just Jordy sp- Delem. Yeah, Jordy Delem. No, Jordy Delem. I think is probably the what happens is Jordy Delem yeah. basically slots in for Spenson, and otherwise it's it's that group that yeah. Started five straight games for the Sounders. Yeah, and I think um, I wouldn't, you know, I'm not going to say that this is a must-win game, but the Sounders haven't won in four after getting off to a 5-1-0 start. Um, it's, they've drawn their last three games. Um, 
since they've drawn their last two home games, although the last home game was that red card situation where they eventually went down to nine men. We left the Sounders left some points on the table against Minnesota. I think this is kind of the game, especially the next two games where they they should be looking at six points. They should, and I and there's must there's literal must win, which is games where like something is on the line, and then there's must wins like this, which yeah. I think are in a lot of ways like if you fancy yourself as a supporter shield contender, this is a must win. Yeah, and they and can't the, be dropping points at home on full rest to anyone. Yeah, a, and, the, a, and the Dynamo are. One place ahead of the right. Sounders in in the literal standings of yeah. the Western Conference. So, getting three points against them when they have a ton of game in, games in hand is, I think, I would classify it as crucial, especially yeah, especially with with everybody, uh, bar Svensson being healthy. Um, or at no, least I I, I being totally agree. I mean, I think that this is a game where, as a fan, you want to see them. You want to see them win, not just because you always want to see them win, but like if if this team is for real, this is a game that they you know like if they have if this is a, if we think this team is an MLS Cup contender, this is the kind of game they got to win. If they yeah. think it's a Sports Shield contender, this is the kind of game they got to win. And you know it's just that's that's the way it you know like it's if it, the the, if they the don't win, crumbles. it's not like the the bottom isn't falling out of the season or anything if they don't win this game. But I, I just think you start to like we I mean who knows any number of things could happen in the game where we start you kind of have to throw at the result as a analytical piece but you know barring a game like lafc where they play down a man for 72 minutes yeah you want to see them get all three points yeah and um having mentioned that you know the previous history of the dynamo never winning in seattle that also includes playoff games um the up until is it 2014 they were in the eastern conference so there's some <laughs> weird stuff there, but I think there have been moments where the Sounders were much worse, and the and moments where the Dynamo were much better. And the Dynamo have come to Seattle, and the Sounders have won. So, kind of, or at least not lost. Yeah, yeah, sure. At least not lost. I know there was like there was a crazy run there where all the games ended up being draws. <laughs> for that's right between the two teams. There was a period of like uh, it was like almost like three seasons or something. There like was that. you're right. There was a period of that. Um, but yeah, but I mean, that's not happening now is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And I think, uh, not only should fans expect a win heading into this game, I think they should feel pretty confident about, about the, how the, how the matchup is. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, as confident as you can ever be in, in this sort of situation, I think that Houston probably wants to play for, you know, lack of a better term, like they aren't gonna, I don't think this is a team that's going to sit back no. and just wait to counter the Sounders, which in some ways, I think that this the way they want to play might play into yeah, the they're, Sounders. They're a pretty expansive team. I, I don't know if, uh, how familiar our listeners will be with the team, but um, you know, kind of their two star players are um, Mario Manaftis and um, Albert Elise. Albert Elise, who are, um, I think, quite frankly, sensational. And if they weren't on a team that, um, I don't know. We don't have to go into everything wrong with the Houston Dynamo, but if they were on a more popular team, you would see them on the pages of MLSsoccer.com or, you know, having interviews and all these various publications. They're very good is what I'm trying to say. They are very good, and they're young, and they're players that will probably eventually fetch a pretty penny. Maybe even this summer. Maybe even this summer, summer. yeah. Don't want to give away too much from my 
three questions with Dynamo Theory, but <laughs> you'll be, be sure to read that. Um, yeah, but, you know, the Dynamo's defense has improved, but um, uh, national team standout DeMarcus Beasley is pretty much done. Um, he injured his leg, had surgery. Um, yeah, so he's he's not playing. They have somebody else playing at left back now, um, Swedish guy. Lundqvist seems decent, but um, it, they definitely seem like a team that can get get got on um, because they play so open. So, yeah, I mean, this is a team that the Sounders should find some room to. Like, they're gonna have to defend some. The Sounders, like, I I suspect that the Dynamo will create chances, but the Sounders should get their own chances in this one. And I think it should be a fun game. Uh, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to to seeing it. I I look forward to seeing how the Sounders match up with a team like this, and you know I I, I do expect them to win, um, but I think it would probably it, it could be like a three two type of situation. Yeah, um, it like if if it's a, I I think we could see a very similar game to the Toronto FC game where it's two very good attacking teams that are kind of vulnerable at the back at times, uh, and I could see a very similar scoreline. Although I was kind of digging into the stats today, and between the two of them, Mauro Manautis and Oise have only scored ever scored three goals on turf, dating back to 2015. How, um, how big of a sample size is that? So they play about five or six games on turf a season. Um, it's oh. like, so it's like 15, 15 to 20 games, somewhere in there. Yeah, it's like 15% of a season at any given time, um, which I thought was interesting, although... The one of the two goals that Marlon out scored uh, was against Portland in Portland in the playoffs, where he did that celebration in front of Timber's army, which I thought was spectacular. Um, he kind of did like a "I can't hear you" type thing that knocked them out of the playoffs. But um, that's either neither here nor there, I suppose. But a little fun fact for you. Um, so, are you going with a three-two prediction? I'll go with three-two. Yeah. Okay. I'll, um, are we gonna make that a staple? Are you gonna make that a staple of the show to do a prediction? Yeah, good yeah. idea. Yeah, I think people like that. You kind and you kind of already did your your starting lineup. Uh, you're going strongest eleven with Jordy Dillem. Yeah, that's what I I I think that's a likely. Scenario. Yeah. So I'll go I'll go with the same lineup. Um, I'll say I'll say three one to the Sounders. Okay. Um, the um, Dynamo have never been shut out this season. Um, so I don't think that's going to happen, especially without Svensson. Um, but I think, I think, so I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say one goal in the sec in the first half from the Sounders and then the rest of the goals are happening in the second half. Oh, so get okay. super specific. Yeah. Uh, will, 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 will Bruin get into this game? I know he has a great history. He scored of five goals against the yeah. since he's, since he's left the dynamo. Do you, like, he, Brian Schmitzer has, has to play him, right? Yeah, he, he has, has to, to, even if it's off the bench. Yeah, I think he's like contractually obligated. His, so, uh, Raul only played five minutes in the last game. I imagine he starts in this one. I don't imagine he goes 90. the full ninety. So I could see a situation where it's a sixty thirty trade off, or you know maybe if uh, things aren't going well, they take Morris off and put Bruin on up top. Uh, I, he definitely plays, and you know what? I'll I'll, I'll say it. I think he scores. Oh, off the bench. There you go. So there you go. I like uh, that. Yeah. Well. So um, thanks for listening to uh, the first run of the Sounder at Heart podcast, which is very cleverly named after 
a blog, Sounder at Heart, that Jeremiah and I uh, both write for. So, um, yeah, we're hoping to do this at least once a week. Um, like the like the other uh, podcasts that Jeremiah mentioned, they'll be in the same feed. So we'll kind of be pumping out audio content for you to listen to at your desk or at the gym or walking the dog or ignoring the kids or however you listen to your podcasts. Um, this is where this podcast will be found evidence by you probably listening to it right now on whatever podcast app you use so uh thanks for listening and um see you next time